You're listening to theoutdoorstation.co.uk. Welcome to the Travel Show. It's a podcast full of hints and tips for travellers of all ages travelling to all places. Hello and welcome once again to The Travel Show. And in this podcast, we're on the road once more, reliving the experiences of Fergus Brown, who chose the more exotic destination of Fiji for his gap year trip in 2004. He was particularly interested in marine conservation at the time, and so the offer to combine this with diving and the location of a small island somewhere in the South Pacific seemed like the perfect project. I wonder why. Like most travellers, once he was south of the equator, he and his friend continued on to Australia and New Zealand to see what it had to offer. So I first asked Fergus how he came to choose the more unusual destination of Fiji for a gap year base. Um, well, yeah, no, you're right. I don't, I don't know loads of people who've been to Fiji on a gap year, but I think I think it stems from um, when I was younger. My uh, my dad's sister uh, and her family they lived out in the South Pacific Islands um, around the Solomon Islands, and they lived in Fiji for a while um, before moving to New Zealand. And I think um, that they, well, whenever they came back, they would show me photos of you know what they've been doing, you know, diving they'd done. Uh, they're all quite keen scuba divers, and um, <clears throat> I was just really amazed by it all. And I'd always you know fancied to go and. Uh, we, we were planning to go in 2001, but they had some political trouble, so we couldn't get insurance, couldn't go. So I thought that Gap Year would be a perfect way to uh, you know, make up for that and uh, make the best opportunity of it and head out to Fiji. So. That sounds great. Uh, the, the conservation project that you went on, tell me a bit about that and, and how you actually uh, came to choose them. Okay, well, I, I went with a company called Coral Cay Conservation, and they're a charity um, set up about, about 20 years ago. Um, and basically they have um, sites all around the globe uh, that change, you know, change all the time. Um, they're always setting up new ones, and they're trying to set up marine protection areas and uh, wildlife protection areas um, in rainforests and coral reefs. Um, and I, I basically I chose them because uh, my sister had uh, used them, had been, been on a trip with them a few years previously, um, and she'd had a great time with them and highly recommended them, so I thought, you know, why not? Why, why not go with them? So... Yeah, it was good. Um, you uh, you didn't travel on your own from here. You went actually with a school friend. Was that just pure coincidence that uh, he wanted to do the same type of thing? Um, yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, we, I went with a friend, Sam, who'd, um, who's been a good friend of mine for a while now, and um, we both wanted to take a gap year. So, you know, that was the first coincidence. And then we, we both enjoyed scuba diving. Uh, we could bo- we, uh, both learned already. And uh, this seemed like the the perfect thing to be able to do, you know, spending a couple of months on a desert island scuba diving every day. You know, it seemed like you know too good opportunity to miss. So we decided to go and go for it. The 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 diving aspect, though, for for anybody listening to this, um, if you'd already learned to dive, I presume if you approached them to do this, uh, go on this uh, conservation, they would teach you how to dive, would they? Yeah, they they do. Um, they they uh, have a they have a week's course uh, that you can go out. Um, and do uh, before you start you know your surveying and uh, taking information so so yeah they can teach you to dive you can go out never having been you know in the water before and and you'll be fine um but yeah we, we luckily we'd already you know we'd already 
uh, done our diving, so it was fine. Um, but yeah, it, it works out a really good value as well for money um, to learn how to dive there. Mm. So yeah. Okay, the uh, let's let's actually move on to describing the island itself because we've just had a chat about it and and it certainly sounded uh, uh, slightly basic. I think would be a good description. Just um, first of all, tell us the name of the island and uh, and describe the sort of setting, if you would. Um, we were on an island called Castaway Island, which is in the the Mamanutha group of islands, um, just off the mainland, um, and and basically it's it's only only about three miles long and a couple of miles wide so um it's pretty tiny um and we did there's no electricity um we didn't have uh sort of pumped water pumped out there we had like a, a big reservoir for, in a tank at the back um and we had like a generator for a couple of hours a day so yeah basic living was uh, definitely one way of describing it and uh, yeah we were all in dormitories um no no refrigerator or anything like that so uh fresh food was uh, hard to come by so um so everything had to be everything had to be shipped in yeah pretty much um uh yeah we had uh, food deliveries um you know once a week um and we'd form a big chain from the boat out in the in the bay and and uh, pass it all along this big human chain um and then pack it all away and also the water had to be uh, pumped in we um a big boat came over from the mainland um, and had to moor up about 300 metres out in the bay. Um, and uh, we had a big tank up at the hill behind the hut, and uh, it just uh, we laid out a huge pipe. Uh, I think, yeah, the one time that it happened when I was there, it was about four in the morning and we got woken up. Um, so everybody had to pile in and help Pretty this. much, yeah. Every, everyone got woken up four in the morning, it was still dark. Um, all, all went out, got our wetsuits on, and we were um, laying out all these big pipes, uh, taking them out into the sea, joining them up, swimming around floating while while they joined them up to the ship and uh we got it got it sorted eventually about an hour later and, and the water started pumping um and that was fine and then uh, there's a resort at the other end of the island and uh their rubbish boat came on came hurtling by um about half five in the morning and uh it uh, didn't see the pipe that we'd laid out and uh, it was waving it as, as it went by and just went straight between the boat and the and the island and and the propeller went straight through the pipe cut it in half and uh, so that put a stop to the water for a while and they had to do some running repairs on that and uh, and replace the broken pipe and then eventually got it going again um but yeah we lost a bit of water and i suppose water everything's rationed is it presumably yeah yeah we we allowed i think half a bucket a day uh for a shower which no one ever uses really they they save it up and then have maybe one shower a week so yeah hygiene's not great there but uh, <laughs> um yeah and you, and to flushing the loos uh, you have to go and fetch a bucket of water from the sea and uh, every time you want to flush the loo um so yeah like the water's pretty pretty stringent over there well with a name like castaway island it just sounds like the the, the accommodation was that basic as well sort of just simple wooden reed reed huts yeah yeah pretty much yeah they were um um yeah brick huts yeah reed roofs um uh you had like basic wooden framed beds uh, like bunk beds and things um just like shared dormitories pretty pretty cramped but i mean you know it, it was it was bearable you could you could do it okay um um, and what about the people you're actually sharing with? Who else was sort of uh, at the conservation? Were they all gap year people? Um, yeah, I'd say about ninety percent were were gap year students. Um, yeah, just come out of sixth form, uh, you know, um, looking for a break before university. But there were a couple of a uh, couple of people who, um, having maybe a sabbatical leave from from their jobs, um, one guy who'd retired was with the the Peace Corps, um, was you know going travelling for a few years. Um, but yeah, the, the majority of people were gap year students, and I think that's probably who it appeals to the most, really. 
Okay. Um, the actual project itself, then. So, so uh, you know, you've you've got there and you've done your diving, and if you've you've learned to dive for the first time, whatever. What actually was the day to day things that they had to do for what was it? Two months, three months? Was it two um, months? Yeah, two months. Yeah. Uh, well, for the, the first two weeks that we spent there. Um, Obviously, we'd learned to dive, so we didn't have to go and do that. Um, but the first two months, um, is, you're basically learning uh, all the all the surveying techniques, and you got you need to learn. Um, goodness knows how many species of fish, coral, algae, um, invertebrates, and things. All these things that you're in, in the sea, you know, you have to be able to identify them on site uh, without any sort of reference, and just you know make a note of it on your on your dive slate. So you have to you have to like memorize them, you know, commit all these about eighty species of fish, I think, to memory. Um, so the first two weeks spent doing that, and also learning the surveying techniques, um, like you know, taking the temperature of the water, uh, navigating. So you've got to plot a course through the water when you're surveying, so they know which areas have been surveyed. Um, and then after that, then um, yeah, then you just go into the normal survey routine of life, which is a bit more relaxed. And I was very glad to get there after after the first two weeks because it's pretty hectic. Um, but yeah, yeah, the, the you, you get up about. Uh, half five, six every morning, depending on whether you're making breakfast. Um, and then, yeah, you, you're ready to dive by about half seven. Um, so, yeah, you, it's pretty early light, you know. But I guess you, you have to make the most of it, though, because you, you can only do things when it's when it's light. So um, as soon as it goes dark in the evening, that's it, you know. It's, it's to bed about nine o'clock, which is... Uh, yeah, it's, it's a definitely a different way of life from over here. But I should imagine you're fairly tired on you by then. Yeah, yeah, having been, you do a couple of dives a day, um, and you're, you know, lugging big tanks around and taking them to the to the compressor, and um, yeah, just swimming around diving every day, and uh, you've got all the chores as well to do, keeping the house tidy, um, sweeping up, uh, doing the, cooking the meals, you know, the, the the volunteers to cook all the meals. And you thought it was going to be relaxing. I know. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't to be. Well, I mean, it, it was. Of course, it was just a. Uh, it was just a completely different way of life that you know I'd never experienced before, and it, yeah, it's just amazing, really. So, yeah. I mean, it must have been a complete change for yourself. But what about the other people that were out there? Did many people suffer from um, serious culture shock? Um, yeah, I think I think a few of them did. Um, there, I mean, there was about thirty people when we were out there, um, uh, thirty volunteers and then staff as well. But yeah, I think um, especially some of the girls, I think, found it found it hard to cope with the basic lifestyle. Um, and for a lot of them, I think it was the, f the first real travelling, you know, outs other than maybe France or Spain that they'd they'd really done. And going, you know, it's the other side of the world. It's about as far away from England as you can get. So it was, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a big shock for a lot of them, and uh, just um, coming to a completely different um, way of life. Um, and the fact that I think Fiji is um, basically a developing country still in a lot of ways. Um, it reminded me of you know when I went to Peru, you know, some of the the ways of life that they have over there still very basic. So. Um, for a lot of people, I think it took a while for them to adjust to it and to get used to it. Um, but after, you know, when you when you do, you just sort of you fall into the routine of life, the way things happen, and it just becomes the norm after a while. Um, and it's really it's really good like feel because there's a huge sense of sort of camaraderie between everyone that's living there, and you 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 sort of feel you know like you're part of the bigger picture, and you feel like. Um, yeah, you, you really feel like you're making a difference when you're out there as well, and uh, everyone's mucking in, everyone's helping out, everyone's um, everyone's doing their fair share of you know around the house, 
and uh, no one's scringing up anyone else, and it's it's just really good. Everyone share and share alike. So, so the the, the the culture shock part of it, and the people that perhaps uh, experience this for the for the first time, uh, and will experience this sort of thing for the yeah. first time. Do you think it's of a benefit to them generally? Um, yeah, I, I think so. If it's any, if I have anything to go by, then definitely. Yeah, I mean, I've I've definitely benefited benefited from uh, uh, from it, and I think um, that you, you see when when we're out there, you get the new people turning up. Um, you know, every couple of weeks, and. Uh, it's it's interesting watching some of them change. They come out here and they're really shy, and, you know, quite quite nervous about the whole thing, and maybe a bit, you know, homesick as well. You know, you know, coming to a different place, you know, not being with anyone they know, um, and then suddenly they they change after a while, and they, and they become they come out of their shell, and they just mature, they grow up, they. You know, they they just yeah change as a person, which is really interesting to see. I, I didn't realise you said that it was continually they were updating people. Yeah, yeah, all the time. I, I mean, uh, when we went out there, there were there were people there, and they they leave they're leaving all the time. You can, you can select how long you want to stay. You can stay from I think the minimum is uh, four weeks, um, and then you can you can stay as as long as you want. Some people were there staying there for like seven months, um, which yeah, it's good for them. I say you know, <laughs> I would if I could afford it, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah, so there's people coming out while we were there. Uh, they come out, they learn to dive, and then they have the science weeks, you know. Um, and then you know you go, and it's 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 good because um, as the, when the new uh, people come out, the old volunteers um, they they teach the new volunteers. Um, so you, you're teaching, you, you're taking them out and dives. You're, you're pointing things out and uh, writing on your slate, meaning you know that's a, such and such a fish. Um, and then they're learning from you, and it feels like you're sort of completing the. The, circle, the cycle in a way so you go out you you know you learn how everything's done then you you put it into practice and then you you know you do your own surveys and you, you're collecting data and then you get new volunteers out and then you're teaching them how to do it and you're sort of yeah completing the cycle and it's all, all uh, um yeah just a big sort of you know every, everyone cooperates and it gets oh. done the 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 overall um data collection uh, and the work that you were doing yeah. did you feel that you were making you know a bit a big difference somewhere um, to to a bigger plan, or was it just a, a small part, and you were just being kept busy? Um, as some sometimes you did feel like you know you you, you couldn't really see the, you know the the uh, yeah I guess the um, the overall picture yeah yeah sometimes you couldn't and it was yeah at times you did feel a bit down you, you know you felt absolutely knackered what you know with everything you're doing all the diving, um, but then um, you know when you think about it, it um, yeah when you when you start actually analysing the data and you you you've, collating it into these forms it then gets all sent off to london um and it's uh, further analyzed you know, in, in london and um one of the science officers who, who works in london came out to visit us and uh, just to give us an update on how the project was going um and the one in fiji's been going for about three years now um and uh when it was set up they hoped to uh, establish like a couple of marine protection areas um around you know around the coral reefs in fiji but they've already i think they've already set up three so it's you know it's going much better than they they hoped it would um and also when um the education is a big is a big part of uh you know what the, what the conservation charity is about and um over the course of time when i was there um every week we went off to a, a nearby school on a local island and we were trying to inform the, the young children, um, which, you know, they're, they're going to be, you know, the next, tomorrow's fishermen. They're going to be the ones, you know, fishing on the reefs, um, catching the fish. And basically, um, we're trying to inform them how to fish, you know, in a sustainable manner, how to how to use the boats in such a way that they don't damage the reefs, um, and just basically how to how to live, you know, in, in harmony with the reef, really. 
um because yeah a lot, a lot of it's down to you know damage from fishing uh, overfishing um and just just sort of simple you know lack of education people don't know that they're doing that they're damaging the reefs so just informing them and telling them how to do it it's their livelihood as, as well yeah, yeah yeah and in the long run it'll benefit them just as much um you know as, as anyone else so so that it's you know, uh, beneficial to them. So, so when when the, the the guys came out with the information they collected from from London, yeah. then did it give you a better pic- better picture of what you'd been achieving? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, they, they 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 showed us like they had a big book and it you know had uh, had like the data. You know, obviously not exactly not the stuff that we'd sent off to London, but you could see like the the format they'd been sent off, and you could say yeah yeah that's you know data we've been collecting here, and that they'd use that they'd. Uh, um, Put it into a big computer somewhere and then run some analytical program and worked out the best area for marine protection, you know, marine protection site. And then, um, and then they, they they then set up meetings with um, the chiefs, you know, local tribesmen who still own the land. It's still done on a on a tribal basis in Fiji, um, and try and come to some sort of agreement and some sort of arrangement over setting up these protection areas. And uh, he was telling us um, about how well you know it gone and how how they how the, how they've set up the the three already, and uh, and it's it's good to see because um, yeah the information that they that we collect obviously you know it's vital to that process, and uh, it, yeah it really does make you feel like um, you know it wouldn't awesome. be going without you yeah you're part of it and it's uh, part of something bigger definitely yeah yeah, mm. yeah. Um, just moving slightly I know for people listening to this that uh, haven't done diving or or, or lived on a, an island desert island which sounds like a lovely thing to uh, to do for a few months and um, presumably the the medical part of it is is important um there must have been occasions where people have uh, either trodden on things or been bitten by things or or diving itself it's not a it's not a exactly 100 percent safe hobby um you know can you give me some idea of the, the sort of medical uh, support you get in any incidents that happen yeah yeah well i mean as you say it's, it's diving isn't isn't 100 percent safe but i mean and the, there are a lot of dangers on the island i mean there's there's a huge number of poisonous animals and fish and you know shells and things like that that you get out there and uh, we we're, we're like fully briefed on those before we go and obviously we're all you know by the time we start surveying we're all divers so we're aware of the risks but i mean um there's still you know accidents will happen and, and there are i think there were three medical staff on the island while we were out there and there um you know there's one of those one of them's a doctor and there's a couple of nurses and they're there just to you know just to help with any any incidents that happen um and they do. I mean, I was, um, you, you always think, you know, it's never going to happen. You know, it's, it's always just something, you know, they, they warn you about it. Um, but um, one of the guys on a, on a dive, he was coming up and uh, um, I wasn't buddied with him. Um, but um, he suddenly started um, uh, getting headaches. You know, he was uh, feeling really faint and, and he wasn't diving very well. And he came up to the surface and he pretty much passed out, blacking out at the top of, uh, when he got to the water surface. And uh, he basically suffered from some uh, decompression sickness. Um, which is it's not great really uh, at all, um, and uh, so he was rushed off uh, back to the island from the dive. Um, the doctor, you know, saw him and um, instantly, you know, recognised it for what it was. Um, and there's a there's a resort just on the other end of the island, and we cooperate with them, you know, really well. And they've got a speedboat, so they they always round and picked him up and dashed him off to the mainland back to the hospital. And he he was just. Um, put on uh, oxygen mask for for a while 
um, and just hold a rest for a while. And look, but to, I mean, it gave you confidence that if anything seriously happened, you'd yeah. be dealt with very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they have. They have. I mean, obviously, because uh, you're diving, you know, two dives a day, and they've got you know lots of people doing it. There's, there's, uh, there's scope for a huge number of things to go wrong. Um, but they they have a lot of um, stringent safety regimes and you know uh, backup plans and uh, things in um, in case anything does go wrong emergency plans um, and everyone's briefed on how to use them how to use the emergency radio how to use you know the oxygen oxygen kit um, yeah how to use um, you know uh, the anti venom things you know if you get if you tread on a, a scorpion fish or whatever um so yeah everyone knows you know how to do it and and it's it's good when it all comes together i mean you, you, you like um as soon as he was out of the water he was on the boat there's an oxygen kit in the boat um his oxygen mask was on straight away um wrapped in an emergency blanket zoom back to the the boat and it yeah it does it does give you confidence although cause, i mean you know things can go wrong but um it's good to know that if they do go wrong you know they're, they're going to get dealt with pretty yeah. pretty well so yeah. and what about yourself did you suffer from any uh, bites or anything at all um yeah unfortunately i did and i think i think a, a good 60 percent of the people out there have some sort of you know uh illness or some, something goes wrong you know um just because of the, the maybe the hygiene or what you know there's lack of hygiene is it's it's not great so things often go wrong and with diving one of the one of the common uh, illnesses is an ear infection uh, because the pressure changes you know your eardrums constantly moving um and also with the um the, the heat of the water is about 30 degrees celsius so it's like in a bath and um the corals there the corals and the fish in the sea they're well, basically pooing all the time, and so there's lots of bacteria in the sea, even though it's crystal clear, you know. And so it's and the the heat and the you know not washing all the time is perfect breeding ground. So I I got a pretty bad ear infection, which lasted uh, a week, and so I was on a course of antibiotics for that. And then um, mosquitoes were also a bit of a pain in the ass because uh, I had a few bites around my ankles, and uh, you know although you, you don't scratch them, you know you do, you knock them on things and try not to scratch them, but you do sometimes and. It's they get infected so easily. Um, so many people had them, and they just turn into like, yeah, they horrible like old pussy and go into big sores, and then, and, and they all sort of open wounds, and yeah, they're pretty nasty. I think I've still got some scars from them. Um, so yeah, but the, so the doctors, you know, the medical staff are invaluable when it comes to that, you know. And I was on another course of antibiotics for those, and they they, they were putting bleach on them as well every morning and they, which fizzes away and it looks great and it, it smells awful so um so yeah i mean yeah i, I did have a few illnesses and, and it wasn't great and i you know i did have to miss a few dives but um that's part and parcel of the whole experience i felt and uh and looking back, it's, I, I, I it wouldn't change it at all. So. No, it's okay, fair enough. Okay, well, we've, we've, we've talked about Fiji now. Then you were there for this, for this uh, conservation project for, for two months. Uh, and then I gather you and Sam then uh, continued your travels and went on to New Zealand for a couple of months and then uh, Oz, uh, Australia for a month. Uh, now, I presume from, from the, the notes that we were just uh, making in the chat we were having about it, basically you were bumming around. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. We, um, we were just... Uh, Going by, going around, um, getting buses and things. Uh, we hired a car for a bit. Uh, yeah, getting hostels. You know, you know, uh, just getting our accommodation wherever we could. Yeah, just uh, seeing what happened from day to day. You know, not really having a plan of anything really. Mm. Just uh, you know, doing things as they came along. You know, so yeah, yeah. And, and just just roughly, uh, just give us an idea of, of where you went and and the sort of uh, environment, what it was actually like. 
Uh, well, in, in New Zealand, uh, we spent a couple of months there. The first month we were in, in the North Island. It's basically two big islands. Um, and we spent the, yeah, the first month in the North Island. Um, we flew into Auckland and uh, spent a few days there, just which was a huge shock coming from Fiji, uh, going to a big city, which is, is quite, you know, it's very much um, like being in England. It's quite a, a Western city, really. Um, and so that was a big shock. Um, so we spent a few days there sort of, you know, acclimatising to getting back to the real world, as it were, almost. Uh, and then we travelled up to um, the Bay of Islands, which is on the northern tip, which is a lovely area, really, really, really beautiful. Um, and we uh, did some travelling around there. And then we uh, spent a couple of weeks doing some Mandarin picking, basically just to get a bit of beer money and keep us going a bit longer. And we got, like, bed and board, you know, um, free bed and board with the, with the you know, people we were picking with and, and got a little bit of extra money on top so it was, it was good it worked out you know good deal but it was hard work and um you know you snip your fingers a few times with the clippers and it's you know it's not not the nicest work especially when it's raining but it, it kept us going for a bit longer um so that was good and then we uh went down to wellington um where i stayed with my family well my auntie who i mentioned earlier um they now they well they, they're in, in england now but at the time they they lived in wellington um, so we stayed with them for a while, um, and then, yeah, then they travelled down to the South Island. So, yeah, the first month went pretty quickly, with just a bit of work and a bit of travelling around the cities. Uh, and then we were in the South Island, um, which was pretty different from the North Island. It's so so much quieter. Um, there's, I think there's only about a million people there, and uh, it's it's about the size of Scotland, I think, maybe, maybe a bit smaller, but it's a huge expanse of land and not many people to to occupy it so it was a again it was different from the north island um and, we, and, and the people were i mean the people were welcoming to you and and friendly and got did you mix with any other travelers at all mm, excuse me well yeah i mean yeah the people i think new zealanders are probably the friendliest people i've ever met they're really just genuinely kind and welcoming um and yeah there's i think when we got to new zealand we started sort of noticing that there are pretty well established traveling routes you know that, that people do and there's there's loads all different sort of um uh buses you can do you can do like the kiwi experience uh the magic bus and all these different um traveling tours that you can you can get on so yeah you, you see travelers a lot and it's quite a popular destination um we decided to hire a car however um which was um it worked out about the same uh price wise as, as you know getting getting a bus tour but we we thought it would give us a bit more freedom uh we could you know go where we want when we wanted when you know and you know it didn't matter about waking up and it was also useful on a couple of occasions when we got somewhere late and couldn't find anywhere to stay because it was an estate so we just put the seats down and kept in the back so saved a bit of money on accommodation as well so um so yeah we the hire car was great as far as we were concerned it was um really allowed us to do what we wanted to do in the south island um and yeah and it was it, you need it because it's not the sort of place you can get around on public transport yeah i mean the, the west coast of the south island's uh virtually desolate there's nobody there at all is there no there's there's a few tiny little townships but other than that it's just you know wilderness yeah yeah well, so from there you went to, to Cairns and in Australia, and uh, by the sound of it you jumped on another bus, a Greyhound ticket or whatever the equivalent is, and cruised down the coast stopping at all the, the flesh bots. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we, again, you know, bumming around, you know, sleeping in the hostels down, down, the, uh, down the east coast of Australia. Um, yeah, we only had a month there, so uh, um, in hindsight I'd probably like to be a bit longer in Australia, maybe to go into the centre or get across to Perth on the, on the west coast, but... Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was great fun. We, yeah, as you say, flew to Cairns, uh, spent a few days there, and uh, yeah, the the bus ticket was about I think one hundred and eighty dollars, two hundred dollars, which is about 
80, 90 pounds. So it's pretty good. And it, it, it's, uh, there's no time limit on it. Got as unlimited stops, all these different places down the coast. And you get on, get off when you want. Um, and yeah, we had just had a few stops down the coast. Um, uh, Ailing yeah. Beach, which was Whitsunday Island, um, Fraser Island, um, uh, yeah, all, all these different places. So very simple accommodation again on the beach and beach bar and just chilled out. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. The, just the little hostels around the, on the beach, you know. Um, yeah, just yeah, just going to simple places around around the coast. So yeah, no, it was great fun. Excellent. The actual conservation part of it, uh, it was just over two thousand pounds. Uh, I understand for that. So, can you just tell us what you got for that money, and then perhaps run through the, the other costs? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. As you say, just over two thousand pounds. That was uh, for yeah seven weeks uh, on the island. Pays for um, all your food, uh, accommodation, um, yeah, transfer from from the mainland across to uh, to the island, um, and it pays for all the diving as well. Which is, you know, if you're doing a holiday or something, you easily pay that much. So yeah, it pays for all the diving, just everything while you're there. Um, so that's the tanks and the air, and yeah. you don't have to hire anything. At no, time. no, you don't have to hire anything. Uh, I, I had like some of my own equipment, uh, but everything else gets provided. So, so yeah. Okay, so you didn't need any spending money for that period of time. Um, oh yes, yeah. So I mean, yeah, a little bit, um, but not much really, because um, obviously you don't need you don't need to buy any food, and there isn't really that much to buy because you're only on a tiny island. So there's no, no shops, no supermarkets or anything. Um, yeah, there's a little bit. There's, I mean, you go to a near, nearby island, they have a little superstore, so you can buy a packet of biscuits, you know, little luxuries and things, or an ice cream occasionally. And uh, you, you buy your beer as well. They, they have beer, which they keep in just a, a box of water, which they think keeps it cool, but it doesn't. So, um, yeah, you buy your warm beer. Um, but yeah, not not really much spending money. Maybe about um, uh, yeah, two hundred, three hundred pounds. Um, but that included some of the travelling we did afterwards in Fiji. Okay, because we, we went round the island as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. Um, the uh, the rest of the uh, the prices then. So with your your flight out there, presumably you had a multi multi stop ticket. Yeah, yeah. We we flew with Air New Zealand um, because um, Coral Cay um, and Air New Zealand they they had some uh, some sort of deal going, some sort of cooperation. I'm not exactly sure what, but um, yeah, we had a multi stop thing that we'd arranged with Air New Zealand that flies Fiji, New Zealand, Australia, and then back home again. And, and that was about £900, which is quite it's quite a lot, and I'm sure you can find it cheaper, but uh, the problem is getting a, a flight that goes to Fiji because it's a pretty remote place to get to. And also, we had some diving equipment with us, which cost a bit more. So um, then New Zealand, Australia, um, spending money there for everything was about came to about £3,000 for the three months. So, I mean, you didn't scrimp, obviously. You were, you were enjoying yourself yeah. there. Yeah, no, I didn't scrimp. Uh, just we thought, you know, we're only going to do this once, may as well make the most of it, so, yeah. And so would you say that at the end of the day, that's, what, uh, five, about six, six and a half thousand pounds, was it money well spent in 2004? Um, yeah, definitely, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have wouldn't have changed it for the world. I, I don't regret doing it, and, uh, you know, I, most of it I earned off my own back working in a rope factory, so, yeah, um, you know, definitely it was worth doing that, so, yeah. Okay, well, just, uh, just to finish off, what I'd like to do is just perhaps ask you about um, the things you took with you, because a lot of people, when they're packing for their gap year trip or world trip or whatever, um, always sort of make hard to make decisions about what you put in the rucksack and what you 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 leave out so um just tell us uh, what sort of bags you took with you and, and the amount of stuff if you would uh, and also um what could you have done with and what really should you have left behind okay well yeah i had um 
I had a 65 litre um, low alpine rucksack thing and that was it basically. I had a, a smaller um, little day sack as well. Uh, which I carried around just for you know when you're flying things, um, but yeah, basically my whole life was in that in that big rucksack. Um, yeah, just clothes wise, um, I think in hindsight I probably took more than I needed really. Um, uh, I I'd only take only I, you only need a few pairs few pairs of shorts, a couple of t-shirts really when the climate's like that. And if you need any more, you just buy a couple of t- cheap, cheap pairs of t-shirts. Um, I think uh, wash my wash bag was bigger than I'd like to have been, and I think. I, I would have loved to find some sort of small, like, you know, concentrated shampoos and things like that. Um, and the the thing that I was annoyed about, a lot of people had these travel towels, and I didn't, and I and they were they look really good because uh, obviously they're tiny and they're really good. They dry quickly as well. I had a big, normal, you know, sort of bathrobe thing, uh, and that so that wasn't great. And that took up a lot of space in my bag. Um, another thing I found indispensable was uh, just a tiny little Swiss Army knife, um, just a mini pocket one. Just had a pair of scissors on. Uh, which were great for just trimming your nails, just cutting things, little knife, and just yeah. uh, opening the warm beer, of course. Exactly, yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, that was uh, that was indispensable, really. And um, yeah, um, other equipment, yeah, plastic bags were always useful. Uh, when, you know, when you got wet stuff, uh, or if you if you, you know it's raining, it's just something to put over your bag to keep it dry, really. Um, so yeah, oh, and mosquito net as well. Oh, that yeah. was the other thing that was really useful. Yeah, if, if you're camping out or something, if you're sleeping out under the stars, then you definitely need one of those to try and uh, stop you getting bitten. So. Mm. Well, Fergus, it sounds like an, an absolutely fabulous trip. You had a, had a great time. Um, for anybody that's uh, taken particular interest in the in the coral cay conservation, uh, where do they get more d- information about it? Um, they've got a great website um, uh, on, on the internet, which is uh, really useful, and it, and it gives you... Um, uh, they've got like people's diaries, expedition diaries that tells, you know, it's sort of like similar to what I've just been saying. It tells you about day to day life. Uh, they've got photo galleries there um, about all the different expeditions. They're not, they're not just in Fiji, they're all over the world. So, um, yeah, it gives you some good information, tells you what they do, what they're all about, um, prices, you know, dates and things like that. Um, so I definitely recommend having a look on there if you're interested. Uh, the final question has to be, you know, the, the trip was obviously a, a great um, section of your life. Do you, re- do you feel that the, the gap year project itself or the gap year time that you took out before going to university was of, of good benefit to you? Um, yeah, definitely, yeah. When I, was, when I look back now, I just, um, you know, I, I, I'm really glad that I decided to do it. And uh, it's, I, I definitely matured a lot when I was out there. Um, you know, got a lot of life experience, as it were. Um, saw the world, you know, um, and just feel, I don't know, feel, feel a lot more confident in myself as well. And just, um, yeah, it's given me, uh, um, definitely given me some good qualities and good good things that, um, you know, when I think about now, I realise that I, I didn't have before. And so I'm really, really glad that I went to it. So would you recommend it to, to anybody to do if they have the opportunity? Definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a nice break from uh, getting out of, you know, academia as well. So it was, it was a good break from that. And it was, yeah, just a really good experience and something that I'll never really forget. Well, you're, you're at university now, um, and I think you've got a year or so to, to go on that score. Are you planning to do any more big trips? Um, well, hopefully. I mean, in, in, coming up in a couple of years, apart my course, I have uh, an elective period where I go off and, and for about four or five months. Uh, I can go to anywhere I want in the world and study you know, any part of my course. So um, hopefully I'll uh, do a bit more travelling you know, when, when that time comes around. Oh, excellent. Well, when you do, and uh, if you get to uh, you discover any more exciting places, come back and tell us all about it. Oh, I do. Yeah. Oh, no problem.
Thanks once again to Fergus for taking the time to tell us about his life on a desert island. And if that conservation project is of interest to you, or anyone else looking for a worthwhile gap year or sabbatical project, more information can be found at coralk.org. That's C-O-R-A-L-C-A-Y dot org. And there's a link to it, of course, in the show notes. So until next time, folks, safe and happy travels. Find out how easy it is to subscribe to all our free programs. Visit our website at theoutdoorstation.co.uk. 